Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. Are you in God's Word so that it changes you as well? We all need to be fed and to be changed so that we are found faithful in serving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to do today as we get into God's Word and want to look in Malachi 2 uh, just very quickly and briefly this morning as we continue our, our study in, in looking at Malachi. You know, there, there's many stories that have been around the past few years about how people have built others out of millions of dollars. They have been shamming people. They, these people entrusted themselves and their money to these others only uh, to... Uh, to have that money robbed. You know, one of the more famous, I guess you could say, is Bernie Madoff. You've probably heard of his name. Took people's money, turned it into a Ponzi scheme. One victim said, we trusted everything in his hands, but then they lost everything that they had given. They, they, they had faith in him. They entrusted themselves to him only to have that faith broken. Being faithless, there was a relationship that was built. There was promises that were made. There was an agreement that had been made. But then they were faithless to the agreement. They were faithless to that promise. Now we are in an agreement. We are in a covenant with God. We are entrusted in much. And not only are we in covenant with God, we are in covenant with others as well. And when we start becoming indifferent toward God, we're going to become indifferent toward the people with whom we have relationship. When our relationship with God is off, we will start treating others wrongly. We will start being faithless toward others. If we're faithless toward God, we'll be faithless toward others, even God's covenant people. They will no longer matter to us. And this is what we find in Malachi. They didn't care about God. They were apathetic. Their whole attitude was, meh, we don't, we don't care. And then because they were that way toward God, they were that way toward others in their relationship. They were faithless to the covenants. And my prayer is that if we have become faithless in these relationships, that we would find room for repentance and we would return to a covenant faithfulness. So let me read verses 10 through 16 of Malachi chapter 2, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word where he says, do we not all have one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we betray one another? Thus making light of the covenant of our ancestors. Judah has become disloyal and unspeakable sins have been committed in Israel and Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the holy things that the Lord loves and has turned to a foreign God. May the Lord cut off from the community of Jacob every last person who does this, as well as the person who presents improper offerings to the Lord of heaven's armies. You also do this. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears as you weep and groan because he no longer pays any attention to the offering nor accepts it favorably from you. Yet you ask why? The Lord is testifying against you on behalf of the wife you married when you were young to whom you have become unfaithful, even though she is your companion and wife by law. No one who has even a small portion of the Spirit in him does this. What do our ancestors do when seeking a child from God? Be attentive then to your own spirit, for one should not be disloyal to the wife he took in his youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel, and the one who is guilty of violence, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Pay attention to your conscience 
and do not be unfaithful. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, I pray that we would not be apathetic toward you and thereby be faithless toward others. And just work in our hearts, Lord, and convict us of our sins, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The Jews had been sent into exile, and God faithfully brought them back. But even though God was faithful to them, they started becoming indifferent to God and his ways. And so they decided, we're not, we're not, we really don't care about God that much. We'll go through the motions. We don't care about the covenant that much. And thereby, it translated into the relationships that they had with one another. In verse 10, God accuses them of making light or profaning the covenant, and it showed in the way that they're related to one another. And so I want us to reflect on how faithful we are into the relationships that are mentioned here, which are part of a covenant with God. And so let's gauge our own faithfulness or faithlessness. Well, what were the relationships that he specifically talked about? First, there is an accusation of faithlessness to other Christians. Faithlessness to other Christians. Now, I'm putting that into the words of the covenant that we have with God through Jesus Christ. Because, obviously, there weren't Christians at, at this time. But in Malachi, in here, God accuses the people of being unfaithful to other members of the covenant community. For the Jews, it's other Jews. For those who are in Christ, it is Christians. At the end of verse 9, right before this passage, the people are accused of showing partiality, showing favoritism. To, in their relationships with members of the covenant. And then in verse 10, Malachi wonders why anyone would treat brothers and sisters of the covenant that way since we all have one Father who created us all. Now within the context of the church, we all have just one Lord and Savior, and that is Jesus Christ. And since that is the case, we all share one Lord and Savior. We are all on equal footing. And if we're all on equal footing in Christ, why would we treat our brothers and sisters in different ways? Why would we favor one group over another? Why would we treat others as inferior to ourselves within the church context? In verse 11, Malachi accuses them of being disloyal, of being faithless. Some translations say that they treated their brothers and sisters treacherously. And when you treat Christians as lesser, if you treat certain Christians as, okay, they're, they're better and they're lesser and, and you know, treat our brothers and sisters in this wrong way. We're being faithless to the covenant because we all share one single covenant with God in Jesus Christ. An example of this might be in the book of Acts when the, the Christian widows, they had their daily distribution to the Christian widows and, and so the, the Hebrew-speaking Jew, uh, Jews were, were being treated one way and then the uh, Greek-speaking Hellenistic Jews were being treated in a completely different way. I mean, this was probably unintentional, but it showed a heart issue, favoring one group over another. And there's a problem with that because in Christ, all are equal. Paul said in Galatians 3, 26 through 29, that in Christ Jesus, you all are the sons of faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendant, you are heirs according to the promise. And so it doesn't matter who you are, what your situation is, we are all co-heirs in Christ if we are in Christ, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, but all believers in Jesus Christ are on the same level, they're on the same playing field. 
Yet sometimes Christians are faithless to the covenant and they treat others better and some worse. How this might look might be you treat you, you show favoritism to the rich as opposed to the poor. Maybe because we think the rich would, you know, return favors or something like that. Jesus told us when we do our good works, we're not to expect anything in return, but you know, humans are humans and well, you know, if I I I scratch your back, you scratch my back, you know, well, something, something like that. We think maybe if we show favoritism to the rich, I don't know, they'll throw cash our way or something like that. But James warned us about this in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When James said, my brothers and sisters, do not show prejudice if you possess faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For if someone comes into your assembly wearing a gold ring and fine clothing, and a poor person enters in filthy clothes, do you pay attention to the one who is finely dressed and say, you sit here in a good place, and to the poor person, you stand over there or sit on the floor? If so, you've made distinctions among yourselves and have become judges with evil motives. Maybe we show favoritism for people who are more similar to us as opposed to being unlike us. Maybe we show favoritism to people who are more similar to us in race or color or occupation or economic status or something else that is very worldly, even though, you know, what I read from Paul earlier, you know, he said that there's no Jew or Greek. It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. You're all one in Christ. We might show favoritism to the powerful over the vulnerable. We might show favoritism to the insiders of the church as opposed to the outsiders from the church. And there are hundreds of ways that we could be faithless and, and show this. And, and Malachi warns the Jews, and thereby he's warning us about these things. Your, your indifference toward God, the fact that you really don't care about God, and, and it, it, it's, it's demonstrating itself in the way that you treat other people. It's showing itself in the way that you treat other people. You are faithless toward your brothers and sisters in Christ. When you act this way, it reminds me of that, the movie that I saw, um, Jesus Revolution. You know, it's all about that Jesus movement of the 60s and 70s where there was this great move of God to save people, but especially in what we might call, you know, the hippie culture. And the, the, these hippies were gloriously saved. They loved Jesus, but the, and they started coming to traditional churches. And there were people within these traditional churches that shunned them that rejected them because they were different, rather than rejoicing that Jesus had done a wonderful work in their lives and considering them brothers and sisters in Christ. When we treat brothers and sisters in Christ that way, we're being faithless to them, we're being faithless to God, we're being faithless to the covenant that we are a part of. And so we, my prayer is that we embrace our brothers and sisters in Christ no matter the differences that we have. Because we have the most important thing in common, Jesus Christ. We have him, we have eternal life, and nothing much else matters. And so that's one area of relationship where there was faithlessness among the people. May that not be true for us. But then there was a second human relationship that Malachi specifically talked about. And so secondly today, he talked about faithlessness to our spouses. Faithlessness to our spouses. Now, I've been a part of, of wedding, several weddings over the past couple of weekends, and so the subject of marriage is very, very much there at the forefront of my mind. But something that I make sure that I do when I do these weddings is, is that I emphasize that what the man and woman are doing is that they are creating a covenant with one another and with God. 
It's a three-way covenant between the two with God, and this is a very special covenant. It is a very special agreement between two human beings because the marriage covenant is older than most any other covenant other than God's covenant with creation. It began in the garden with God presenting Eve to Adam, and it has existed ever since. Man is to leave father and mother and cleave to his wife, and there's no other human relationship that is important as that one. We find out later from Paul that this is the case because the, the, the bride and the groom, they are pictures of Christ's relationship with his church. It is, is the picture. It is showing Christ's relationship with the church. And so marriage is a very important institution. It is the first anointed human relationship. And it pictures the salvation that Christ gives to his church. And it is ratified with a covenant. It is ratified with that agreement. And to treat it lightly is not something that God will tolerate. However, what happens is that when we become indifferent to the ways of God, we become indifferent to all of our human relationships, even the most important ones. We start to treat these covenant relationships like they don't matter. So, you know, if your, your relationship with God doesn't matter, your relationship with other humans are going to matter even in the most important relationships that you have. This is what happened in Malachi's day. And, and, and so to kind of build up to it, in verse 13, Malachi gives voice to these faithless people because they're complaining that God doesn't seem to be paying attention to all the religious motion that they're going through. As Malachi had previously charged them, all they're doing is going through religious motion. They don't really care. Their heart is far from God. And, and, but here they're saying, well, why aren't you answering our prayers? Why aren't you listening to us? Why, why, why is my relationship with God so stagnant? Why does God seem so far away? Why, why, why doesn't God seem to be blessing me like I think he should? And so, well, God says, okay, I'll give you the answer in verse 14. You ask why? The Lord is testifying against you on behalf of the wife you married when you were young, to whom you have become unfaithful, even though she is your companion and wife by law. And so God, in essence, is saying that he isn't listening to them because they've done their spouses wrong, I guess would be the way to put it. You have done your spouse wrong. You're not treating your spouse right. At the verse, of, at the, uh, verse 15 there, it ends with the charge that you are being disloyal to the wife of your youth. And so what, when you try and put the whole picture together of what Malachi is saying and, and then what happened at that time in history, what it seems to specifically be saying or charging them with is that they were divorcing their Jewish wives and they were marrying pagan wives. The book of Ezra kind of talks about what, what they were doing at this time. And, and the tra some of the translations uh, that you have at the, verse of, uh, at the end of verse 11, it talks about marrying the daughters of foreign gods, meaning that they got rid of their wives, who they shared their religious heritage with, who they shared covenant with, and they married unbelieving pagans. They cast aside the person with whom they were in covenant. They broke the co their covenant with their spouse, they, they broke their marital promises, and then they married someone who hated God. And so they're, they're, it's wrong on, on so many different levels. One level is the fact that divorce is not God's perfect will, and I'm going to be very sensitive here because there are many here today who 
have suffered through a divorce and it's painful and it's raw. But even those who have gone through a divorce wouldn't wish it on anyone. They know it's rough. Yes, there are biblical grounds for divorce, but even, even then, you know, we, in God's original creation and God's original intention, you know, that was not what God intended. But in our passage, God through Malachi, it, what he's, who he's really talking to are those who treat marriage carelessly and thoughtlessly and don't give it the due spiritual weight that it really is due. He, he's, he's talking to those who think that marriages can change like their clothes. He's talking to those who are the cause of the divorce and they frankly don't care that they are the cause of the divorce. They, they're going to do their own thing. They feel justified because God wants me happy and so I'm going to do what I want. And I'm going to do whatever I want to be happy. And so to them, God says, I hate divorce in verse 16. And the one who is guilty of violence, says the Lord of heaven's armies, so pay attention to your conscience and do not be unfaithful. You know, they're, they're, those are translated a little bit differently in each of the various English translations. But what it seems to be implying is that God is equating their divorce, you know, they, what they were doing, to violence. You do violence to your marriage if you commit adultery. You do violence to your marriage if you decide to leave your spouse for someone else. A younger man, a younger woman, this person, that person. You do violence to your spouse by leaving them high and dry. And then, you know, again, not considering there's, there are biblical reasons for divorce. But it's for those who think that divorce is a lifestyle choice. I'm just making a lifestyle choice. I, I decide to buy this car. I decide to buy this house. I decided I, I'm going, going for another woman, another man. I mean, think of the violence that it does. Th think of the violence that it does yeah, to families. Think of the violence of what it does to the picture of Christ in the church. Because if, if you divorce your spouse for just any, any old reason, you're saying that Christ is going to leave us and break covenant with us for any old reason. But I do want to say there's mercy and grace in Christ. God can forgive, he can redeem, he can heal. Even the most difficult circumstances and and what's so wonderful is he, he will forgive and redeem and heal even when we make the, the worst choices of our life, when sometimes we make very wrong choices. Whether we're divorced because of someone else's actions or because of our own, that does not define our lives. Jesus Christ defines our lives. If the divorce is on someone else, you know, God heals. If you cause the divorce, God forgives if you come to him by confession and repentance. But, you know, I mentioned that what they were doing was wrong on so many different levels. Obviously, there was the divorce part. I'm going to leave you for a pagan wife. But, you know, that's the, the other level of wrongness here is that God does not want us to marry an unbeliever because they will lead us astray. That's why in verse 11, it emphasizes that they married daughters of foreign gods. These unbelieving spouses led their believing spouses into idolatry. Uh, for them, you know, they, they, so these Jews with these pagan wives would join their pagan wives in the pagan temples doing their worship to these pagan gods. Think about Solomon. This happened to Solomon. The reason that Israel was split into two kingdoms is because Solomon had married all these wives 
most of them were pagan because, you know, they were political marriages or whatever. And so he went with their wives and joined them in their idolatry. The pagan wives led them to that. Now, unbelieving spouses might not lead us to a pagan temple, but they're going to stifle your growth. They're going to stifle your walk with God. They're going to turn your heart from an unhindered devotion to Jesus Christ. And so that is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 through 18, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you. You shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Don't be unequally yoked. You know, a yoke was that piece of wood that went between two oxes as they pulled a plow or, you know, whatever it is they pulled. And, you know, they were joined together. So wherever one ox went, the other one went with them. Paul says, you know, we Christians, we're supposed to be different than the rest of the world. But if you are yoked to an unbeliever, you are yoked to someone who is worldly, guess what? They're going to pull you away from God. They're going to pull you to the world. And so we're, we are to go out from their midst, Paul says here. The commitment in the marriage covenant is a whole lot more difficult. I mean, let's face it, marriage is hard to begin with. It's a whole lot more difficult if you don't share the covenant of God in Jesus Christ. It's going to be a whole lot, and it's going to be harder because, guess what? Christ will not be in the midst of that marriage. That would make it very difficult. You know, I read a story about a, a couple that uh, they started off with a very rocky marriage, and I mean that quite literally because uh, th these two were married to one another in a ceremony on the top of r the Rock of Gibral Gibraltar, if I could say the word, um, in, in a place called St. Michael's Cave. And the husband said, we chose to be married on this site because we wanted to found our marriage on a rock. Well, <laughs> that, that's cute. But if a marriage is going to work, it needs to be founded on the rock. It needs to be founded on, on Jesus Christ. And there needs to be that covenant agreement and we cannot treat it lightly. We have to remain faithful to our covenants we make a covenant with a spouse, with Christ. And if they're not a believer, Christ is not going to be there. He's not going to be the rock. I mean, yeah, you might be a believer, but your spouse isn't. So it's like, well, one foot's on the rock and the other foot is like hanging in midair. And you could fall over at any time. I know people are scared I'm going to fall over. That old guy, what's he doing? That's what it's like. And so... You know, Jesus Christ is the rock of all of our covenantal relationships that we hold, that we hold with fellow believers. May we treat them right. That we hold with our spouses. May we treat them right. And I pray that by the power of God's Holy Spirit, we remain faithful in the relationships that we have with other people through covenant. But guess what? We are human. We fall. We stumble. We have a great promise that Paul gives in 2 Timothy 2.13. Even if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, since he cannot deny himself. You know, when we are faithless, 
God doesn't just cast us to the side when we make wrong choices, when we make mistakes, when we sin, if we are in Christ. He doesn't just cast us to the side and say, oh my goodness, forget you. Uh, let, me, let me deal with someone else. He doesn't. When we are faithless, we can cling to the truth of 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, when you are in Christ, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that we remain faithful, but when we don't, he still does. And we cling to that. Our, our faithlessness doesn't have the final say. And fellowship with God can be restored. We don't ever lose relationship if we're truly in Christ, but fellowship can be restored with, with God through Christ as well as with others. And so today, Christian, come to the altar. Consider your covenant relationships with others. Seek any forgiveness that you might need. But if you are not in covenant with God, you need Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one way to God the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. Your sins separate you from Him. But He will bring you straight to the Father. So I'll be down here during the invitation. Come and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.